Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, ancient, A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Thank you for joining me today. Elias, thank you, sir, for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Excited times, my friend. Uh, you just had a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 you were just on. You've uh I was it's interesting. I was doing some research on you, and you're all over the place with everything. You're a busy person. <laughs> it feels all over the place is one way to put it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean uh we're gonna jump more into the movie in a little bit, but like, like I mentioned, you know, like acting, writing, directing. You've also taught acting, also, right? I do. I, I do to this day. I, I, yeah. I teach a, a class uh, weekly. And uh, voiceover work also. Uh, what's left, man? What's on that bucket list of yours that you want to hit? Uh, you know, all, all I ever want is uh, another job, like most actors. Uh, any day any day working is a good day in my book. And, uh, and I'm not t- terribly choosy. I, I'm always looking forward to the next thing uh, down the pike. Amazing. So uh, entertainment industry, you know, everybody like, uh, you know, acting and everything, you uh, you go into a journey to get it to where you are right now. Grew up in Boston, you know, mentioned off the air and everything. What made you get into the industry? What uh, made you fall in love with it? Oh, uh, well, the, the, the quick answer is uh, I saw Sweeney Todd at the Colonial Theater in Boston when I was about nine years old and uh, fell in love with uh, the theater, fell in love with telling stories, fell in love with the uh, uh, playing characters, um, and uh, and I was uh, driven from a very early age. I started, there's a, a wonderful organization called the Boston Children's Theater, uh, where I took classes, and then I worked, uh, I spent summers in Dover, Massachusetts at Charles River Creative Arts Program, and I learned filmmaking and animation, and uh, pretty much pursued it uh, all the way through, and, and uh tried to um figure out a, a a normal life i went to the university of chicago and as opposed to what i really wanted to do which was go to theater school and uh after a couple of years there i uh i dropped out and went to nyu and got my theater degree anyway uh and then in the 90s i did a lot of uh, unseen theater in new york and around the turn of the century came out to la to see if they could use another actor so you mentioned uh theater was out when you mentioned uh you went from theater into you know pretty much tv and film uh what made you take that next jump uh you know it's funny i was having this conversation there's an actress a wonderful uh actress named miriam shore who is in uh guardians uh which i didn't know until the premiere but we ran into each other she and i had done a uh uh, independent feature in 1998 or 1999 called Flushed in uh, New York. And I don't think I'd seen her since. She's still in New York. She's making a go of it there. Hell of a good. She's got a beautiful, wonderful career. Uh, justifiably so. She's a magnificent actor. But uh, we were talking about, you know, I moved out here at, in, in the early aughts. And I did it because... Um, it seemed at that time that the, the the you know the goal of the New York actor is to get to Broadway, and I had more than a few friends who had successful off Broadway shows that would then get moved to Broadway, and they wouldn't go with the show. They they'd bring in 
an actor from film or television to replace them. And so among a lot of other variables that seemed to me, well, if if the goal is to get on Broadway, um, the, the path does not seem at that time did not seem to be to go through New York. So I figured uh, the unpaid downtown theater uh, I've done a lot of, and it'd be nice to see if I could make some money, maybe get health insurance and uh, some sort of security. And, L.A. seemed the place to do that. I've had other guests on where they've done the theater and they jump right to TV and a film. What was the biggest challenge for you doing that? Well, um, it's it's a lot different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a big difference. Um, the 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 challenges are myriad, uh, you know, from from learning how to hit your mark to learning. I think the, the thing that surprised me really the most was. Uh, in the early days, I think the first real professional gig I was on was a show, a wonderful show called Six Feet Under. And uh, I was amazed at how small everything was, how quiet the actors were. And so it was a bit of an adjustment, really learning uh, how to act for the camera versus acting on stage. And it's interesting, you brought up voiceover, which I haven't really done, but I did a lot of performance capture, which is how we did uh, the two Red Dead games that I yeah. worked on. And that is uh, uh, an interesting tech because you're kind of, your face is sort of on camera and the size is sort of on camera, but your body can be very theatrical. So it sort of is a fusion of the skills that I developed working on stage and the skills that I learned uh, through my experience working on camera. Did you? Uh, what do you enjoy more between now, theater, TV, video game world the 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 next gig really yeah. whatever whatever's next uh, the, the, what i will say uh theater there is a heartbreak built into theater in that it disappears it goes away there's an ephemeral nature to it that is romantic on the one hand but on the other hand your work sort of disappears and for better or worse when you work on camera uh it's not going anywhere and the permanence of that is uh uh, excites me have you uh do you still do the theater not so much i i uh not so much i'm not i'm not opposed to it it's just it's uh it's a lot of time it's a lot of work that you can't do any other work during and it's not a lot of money mm-hmm. i do continue to direct in the theater i have a a, a an actor he's a poet and a a, a uh well he's a multi-hyphenate um and he does some solo shows which is something i had some experience in but so i direct uh and help him develop his one-man shows and that keeps me with sort of a toe still in the theater but principally my focus is on on camera so we've it's funny because like we've seen you in the marvel universe also you know you've been you know guardians of the galaxy you know had a role in ant-man uh is there like another dream role you want to hit one of these days you know, I've I have uh, been so lucky uh, so far uh, that the with the parts that I've been been fortunate enough to play, and the idea that uh, I you know I was a kid, I collected Marvel comics as a kid, and so this idea that I am in you know these some small part of right. the MCU is beyond uh, my wildest dreams. So. As for what's next, I, I'm just I'm hopeful. Uh, I go into everything uh, 
just eager for for the the challenge and the surprise and so um i don't know that there's a dream role i mean if, if there was a dream role i think i fulfilled it with this character i got to play dutch vanderlyn who is uh um everything after dutch i think is gravy what's been like the the fan reaction like with the video game world with you because you've done comic cons i saw too yeah, it's it's unexpected and and enormously gratifying. You know, it's there's a thing about the way, and again, it's it's a common misconception that the work that we did on Red Dead Redemption was voiceover. It wasn't. It was performance capture. And one of the things that that means is that there's no foreign language version of it. There's no dub of that. The, the game is too large for it to be dubbed. Yeah. So our characterization exists worldwide. And when you're working for a company like uh, Rockstar Games, and frankly, if you're working for a company like uh, Marvel or Disney, you there is this sort of global um, aspect to it that you know you don't think of on the day, but in the wake of it, going to these conventions, getting to meet all of these people from all over the world, it's 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 overwhelming. It's it's really overwhelming, and it's very gratifying. Um, and you you also. These these to tell these stories requires thousands of people, oh, yeah. so you end up feeling like something of an ambassador, uh, because it's not not everybody that gets called to go do these conventions. So the fact that you're one of the lucky schmucks that gets to do it, uh, I, I just try very hard to be a good representative of all the people that aren't there, and uh, uh, it just makes me feel very lucky. Is there any any future plans to see you to be involved again with the games? Games, I don't know. That's you'd have to ask Rockstar. You know, I like any other gigging actor, I audition all the time. Um, but uh no, there's nothing there's nothing in the pipeline. There there, there is sort of game related coming down the pike will be uh Lionsgate's Borderlands, where I, I play uh a character that was created by a, a wonderful actor named Bruce DeBose in the games called Marcus Kincaid. Um, and I'm going to be playing, I, 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 I'm playing him. I don't know when that film's coming out, but, um, we have a banger of a cast and it's, it should be a lot of fun. Is this a film coming to theaters or is it streaming? For theaters, theaters, theaters. at least that's the intention. I, I think we've got, it's Kate Blanchett and Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Hart and, uh, uh, Janina Gavankar, Edgar Ramirez, Jack Black. It's a wow. murder. I, I think it's gonna. I my, my instinct is it's gonna make it to the theaters, but it has you, to be. You never know, though, man. With those names, though, it has to be. It's nothing till it's something, Elias. That's my experience. Right. Uh, so yeah, let's jump into uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. First of all, like, how was it being part of this world, and how were you approached to uh, to be part of it? Well, I've known uh, James for a very long time. We go back twenty five years, uh, and. My first association with with Guardians, in fact, was uh, on pre-production on the first film. Um, he was doing screen tests, and James asked me if I'd come in and play uh, what ended up being Drax in those screen tests opposite uh, Peter Quill. So I've been sort of Guardians adjacent for quite some time, but it was uh, I hit it, it's. It, you may not believe it, but it was at the premiere of Ant-Man and the Wasp at Man's Chinese Theater. Uh, I was, <laughs> I ran into Steve Blackheart and James 
coming out of the restroom at the theater and I escorted them back to their seats. And I asked James how the Guardians 3 script was coming. And he said then that there might be something in it for me, which, <laughs> you know, you're already, you're at a premiere. It was a pretty exciting uh, night. And so I have that. I'm watching uh, the premiere of Ant-Man and I go to the after party and I see James at the after party and James says, uh, oh, well, you can't be in Guardians now. I didn't know you were in Ant-Man. <laughs> and I was like, Come, you can't do something. And I went and protested to Peyton, the director of Ant-Man. He said, oh, don't worry about it. And then uh, it was a week later and I ran into James again at a screening for for a film that that he and other friends were working on that ended up being called Brightburn. And James told me there, uh, it, you can you're going to be in it. And then of course, lots of things happened. That was 2018, I think. And then you know James went on this very very circuitous journey, made Suicide Squad and, and yeah. uh, Peacemaker, and then returned to. Guardians and I was very surprised. I think it was uh he reached out to me and, and said there was a role. And I said, Is it the same role that you were talking about way back at the premiere? And he said, Yeah. So it was a very long route to get there. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, that's how these things are. It's 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 always a a, a long walk to 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 get to any opportunity in this in this business. So like I know nothing about the comics for this is this character in the comics too i don't he... I, have, I have no idea okay. on, on we're we're shooting on the day and uh james shouted out the character's name while we were and that's so james will get a take and then he'll he will uh he's got a, a god mic um so he's back in video village but he can he can talk to you and you can hear him and once you've got it he's throwing out ideas you may have come to realize this about James Gunn, but he's a word that's used all the time is genius. James is a, is a genius. And uh, so he just, whatever's coming to mind, and he threw out this character name, uh, Little Snort, yeah. and it ended up sticking and made it into the film. And, and now uh, I, I showed up to teach my class on, on Monday, and uh, some of the actors in the room were delighted to call me Bleedle Snort, which uh, <laughs> is gonna—they're gonna be in trouble if they keep that up. <laughs> That's right. Hey, the great thing about it is that the next Comic Con, you'll be signing uh, pictures of that character. It—it's—I it, uh, will be delighted. I will be to be an ambassador of the Guardians franchise in any way, shape, or form. I think with this trilogy plus, because you know, there's the mm -hmm. the the Christmas special, the holiday special, and then the yeah. Avengers films. But this whole enterprise of James's is, I think, an extraordinary group of films. And and I'm just uh, so, so pleased to be a, a small part of it. I went on your Instagram uh, handle. I wanted to see if there was any pictures of uh, your uniform, like the makeup they did everything on there. I want to know how long did it take for them to put that on you? Well, that was, we did it over three days. Uh, it didn't take three days to do it, but there was right, three right. days of shooting. Um, and I think the first, and, and and Legacy Effects, which was founded by Stan Winston, um, well, it's it, they are, speaking of geniuses, I mean, what they did, you people imagine these films, 
and they imagine that it's all green screen and they imagine it's all CG. And at least on James's set, nothing could be further from the truth. The, the, the stage that we were on for uh, uh, the Orgo headquarters, all of those makeups were unbelievable. And all of them you could put into an extreme close-up and they would all play. Um, those poor guys as the Orgo sentries in those giant massive suits. Um, but so my makeup to, to answer your question was, I think the first day it took a little less than three hours uh, to get into, because I think there's a bald cap, there's a there's the skull cap, there's a, there's a piece here, piece here, piece here, piece here. There's three pieces on either ear. There's there's all sorts of stuff, and uh, it took about an hour to get out of. And I think by the by the third day, it was down probably two hours and twenty five minutes to get mm -hmm. to get it all sorted. Um, and then of course there's those lenses that they put into your eyes, but it is. Uh, it's it was really really a wonderful makeup and it it allowed so much expressivity um that i think was really essential to make that comedy uh uh play but it, man it was it was you know i'm a you asked me if there's a dream role that i've ever had there there is i my, i've always dreamt of playing a klingon <laughs> in, in any iteration of star trek and I don't know that it'll ever happen, but if Bleedle Snort is the closest I come to playing a Klingon, I feel uh, I'm okay with that. He's a, there's a little Klingon going on. Yeah, in I can the, see that in the, the picture. Right? Um, so, so that was that. I was I was tickled by that. How uh, how uh, long were you in that for the day? For what oh, all day, all day, all day, uh, and it it it. Um, it, it's surprisingly comfortable. The only thing that, that is all a challenge are the lenses. And there's wonderful. I wish I remember her name, but there was a woman on set who would come and she she'd squirt your eyes all the time. Really makes you feel uh, it's sort of an infantilizing kind of thing to have somebody. Can I can I squirt water in your eyes? <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it was a remarkable makeup. And you do you it becomes second. You forget that you have it on and. Uh, you catch yourself in the mirror and uh, are taken aback. You, uh, you mentioned uh, you know you know James now for how many years? You said 20, 20 30 years. Well, yeah, he he was. I was in a theater company um, that he was associated with uh, called Zoo District. Uh, right when I got out here, and um, and we met there right around the time that he had uh, sold the the screenplay to Scooby Doo, which I thought was. Uh, I thought that that was a goofy enterprise. Who knew that it was going to be this right. big that it was? So, um, so you, he had this role for you. He had an idea for this role for you. What was like? The, you've been working with him now for years. Like, what's like? Uh, any advice that he's given you in the industry? Well, I don't know that he's given. Or is the other way around? You're giving him advice. No, no, certainly not <laughs> the other way around. I mean, the one we, I did a, a a film that he produced. This is the club. <laughs> I've told this story before, but this I did uh, a film called The Belko Experiment that James wrote and produced and uh, was directed by a wonderful director named Greg McClain, who uh, is a horror director. Um, he's a film director. He's, he's done horror. He's done lots of other things. Um, but he's famous for a, a film called Wolf Creek. Anyway, 
we're in South America and I'm playing this part. And James has done, James is an extraordinary friend. And uh, the way he celebrates the people in his life with his way with words is, is something. And I did, there wasn't much to go on for this character that was in, in James's script was called Burly Man. He ended up being named uh, Tony Fowler, I think, in the film. Interestingly enough, my part in uh, Guardians 3 was Burly Guard in the script before it got the name. So Burly, I have, I have down. I think also my Ant-Man and the Wasp character was named Agent Burly. So I, I, I'm getting I, think I, wrote, I wrote that down in my notes, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am a Burly person. Um, but uh, he had written this sort of uh, uh, cast announcement, and in it he mentioned my character's name, which was the first time I learned it. And he had written, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, well, because he, he had written that that uh, Tony Fowler was already an asshole before, uh, <laughs> before anything bad happened in the story. So I'm sort of, I'm flying down to South America to work on this movie and it's, you know, living the dream really. And, and trying to parse what I'm going to do with this role. And I went up to James on the first day we're down in South America. And I say, so I got this idea about this guy. And I think this guy, you know, and the whole story centers around the, this office workers that are forced to kill each other by an out, an unseen force. Mm. And I, so I've come up with this idea that he's middle management and he's never really been able to, to impress anybody. And so the way he's going to handle this, this challenge, he's going to finally get everybody's attention and everybody's going to be impressed with him. And I run this idea by James and he goes, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. (laughs) That's, that's not it at all. And I'm like, all right, well, back to the drawing board. And, And so I go and I spend the night thinking about it and I see him the next day and I go up to him and I say, uh okay how about this he was gonna bring a gun into work one day anyway and today's his lucky day and james said yeah that's it um so that's that that is the 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 thing that i i think is is great about james and the way that he works is he is absolutely honest so when when you when you have delivered something that pleases him you know it and when you've delivered something that doesn't and needs work, you know that too. And I think that there is, uh, you know, there is a, a, a dearth of that, that a lot of times people are going to be really worried about uh, an actor's feelings or really worried about um, any number of things. What James is concerned with is telling the story well. Mm-hmm. And, and what he, and he is single-minded in making sure that that story is being told and told as best as it can. And anytime you get a chance to work with somebody like that, uh, you count yourself very, very lucky. And uh, my, so my, any chance, I mean, I'd crawl through, through glass to work for James. I, I love working for him and, and uh, uh, I'm very ceaselessly proud of all that he has achieved. And and frankly, I think he's just getting warmed up. Oh yeah. I think so too. So, uh, so this, these, the, the trilogy has a great cast, but what's your thoughts on Dave Batista? I think he killed it. Dave is is magnificent. He's wonderful. Yeah. And I first I met Dave when he was in doing the screen tests in the in the for the first one. Um, and Dave is you know he he puts so much into Drax 
mm. and made so much out of that role. But you look at his career uh, beyond that, and you you know I think uh, uh, he's indelible. Uh, and I talked to him about it on when we were on set for for three. His stuff in uh, in Blade Runner at the beginning of Blade Runner is magnificent. I just saw maybe a couple of weeks ago. What is it? A knock at the cabin. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's he's great. He talk about somebody who's just getting warmed up. He can do. He, he Drax is magnificent, and the arc of Drax is magnificent. But I think in 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 Dave Batista, you have there's a guy who is also I think just barely scratched the surface of what he can offer. I think he is a, a real real um, exceptional actor. I'm very very and getting to work with him and with Palm. Both of them, they're just absolute pros. And, you know, it's a couple of minutes on the screen, but that that right. that shoot took the whole day. So you're sitting there with that scene and you got to keep it alive for every angle and every shot and every and it takes a lot of focus and a lot of uh, concentration and also to make it seem spontaneous over all that time. Uh, and those guys, you could not ask for better scene partners than the two of them. So we have three movies. What are the chances for a fourth one? Have you heard anything? I know he keeps saying this might have been it, but you know how he works too. I I I I I take. I don't know anything more than you can read in the trades. Um, yeah. But but I know that James and Peter Safran are in the DCU now, and I know that yeah. they've got a ten year plan over there. And James can James works harder than almost anybody I know, but I don't think that he'll be able to be focused on two different universes at right. the same. So, so I think if there is more for the Guardians, and again, I do not know, but if right. there is more for the Guardians, I think it will be without without James, and so it'll be very different. Although we have seen. You know the Guardians without James in the, the in the in the Russo brothers movies and and I guess in uh, in one of Taika Waititi's movies too. Um, so it's happened. Uh, but yeah, I have no. That's way Elias so far above my pay grade. I have <laughs> no idea. So uh, you mentioned you know you have uh, Borderlands also coming up next. Like any other projects that you're allowed to tell us about also. Uh, no, <laughs> there are, there is at least, uh, there's another project. It remains unannounced. Um, and that will be, that actually will be my first, well, my second ever voiceover, uh, gig. And that's a few episodes of, of what is going to be, uh, I think a very exciting, uh, uh, uh series, but that, is, that remains unannounced and I, I'm not going to be able to, uh, to, uh, talk about that beyond what i've just said but that's well, coming down the pike speaking of that now uh how can the listeners the viewers that tune in this find you on social media to keep up with you for news and everything well uh, i find me on instagram i am at big ben davis and you can find me on twitter as long as it exists uh, <laughs> uh that's i'm at tuda t-o-o-d-a on uh on twitter although i am there less and less uh these days but instagram is probably the best place to to find me amazing ben i want to thank you for giving me today this was great and uh go patriots hey go packs absolutely uh and uh yeah man it's it's a, a pleasure to meet another uh, as long as i've said it already another mass hole That's uh, right. <laughs> so uh thanks for having me man thank you. Great let's talking get you, to you let's get you back on with your next project I, I look forward to it, man.
Oh, oh my bad. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.